Hi everyone, I'm Debbie Roberts, owner and financial advisor at Property Apprentice. Join us today for the Week in Review, where I talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Our topics for this week, first up from good returns on the 14th of June, house values hold where first home buyers are active. Second topic from stuff on the 13th of June, average asking price for properties on TradeMe down $100,000. Third topic from interest.co.nz on the 14th of June, the International Monetary Fund thinks New Zealand should reform its tax system, freeze minimum wage and spend less money. Fourth topic from stuff on the 15th of June, up to 25% in mortgage prison as rates and falling prices lock them into the existing provider. And fifth topic for this week in review from One Roof on the 13th of June, where first home buyers are picking up houses for less than $500,000. First topic this week from Good Returns on the 15th of June, house values hold where first home buyers are active. According to QV, while house values are declining nationwide, one notable trend is the relative strength of areas with significant first home buyer activity in the past 12 to 18 months. QV Operations Manager James Wilson notes that most areas experiencing positive value growth or stability in the last quarter have average values below $1 million, making them more attractive to first-time buyers. This observation supports claims from mortgage advisor firms that there's been an increase in inquiries from first-time buyers in the past six weeks. Derek Turnwald, a property consultant from Tauranga, suggests that there are early signs of a shift in the market sentiment. He explains that first-home buyers and those who've been patiently waiting for stability in the market are starting to show interest. Turnwald also mentions an increase in investor activity, while others are waiting to see the outcome of the upcoming election. Turnwald points out that the increase in net migration will create substantial new demand for residential properties, especially in larger centres like Tauranga. He adds that in Rotorua, first-home buyers are realising that the market decline is reaching its end, generating stronger interest. In Wellington, first-home buyers face less competition from investors, and a slight easing of bank lending criteria provides a relatively good opportunity to enter the market. The latest QV House Price Index indicates a national decrease of 3.4% in home values over the three months ending in May 2023. This marks a slight improvement compared to the 3.5% decline in April and the 3.9% decline in March. The average value currently stands at $888,930, representing a 13.7% decrease compared to the same period last year and a 20.2% increase from pre-COVID-19 levels. While investors have maintained a wait-and-see approach in many markets, Wilson suggests that the indication that the OCR, the official cash rate, has peaked could entice them back as some valuers and real estate agents are already reporting a slight uptick in interest. However, Wilson notes that overall uncertainty does remain high. Many cautious buyers, particularly the mum and dad buyers, remain inactive, which could result in weaker value levels in previously strong areas. Wilson also predicts that the strong net migration numbers may eventually impact the housing market, with the rental market likely to experience the initial effects. The latest figures from MB, the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment, reveal that an average of 17,656 people are arriving in the country on work visas each month, 
nearing pre-COVID levels recorded in 2019. Since September last year, the monthly arrivals have exceeded 10,000. From January to May this year, a total of 88,275 people arrived on work visas, indicating a growing need for housing. Net migration is still positive. Even though there are people leaving New Zealand, we've got more people coming in than are heading out. As the country enters winter, attention will shift towards the upcoming election to see if any new or unanticipated policies emerge that could impact biotypes. However, historical data suggests that elections typically have a minimal impact on the housing market. My thoughts on this are, ever since we started Property Apprentice in 2010, we've noticed that general elections have a minimal impact on first-home buyers, but we usually see a drop in investor activity leading up to them, especially if housing is a key topic for the election. Do you think housing is going to be a key topic for this election? I'd say so. This creates a window of opportunity for more experienced or informed investors to purchase property with less competition. As we're starting to see more signs of the property market moving into the next phase of the property cycle, it's windows of opportunities like this that can often be the difference between purchasing an okay deal and purchasing a great one. However, you need to be clear on your ideal strategy and what type of property's right for your individual goals and financial position in order to make informed buying decisions that are far less likely to come back and bite you on the butt. If you aren't clear on what you need to reach your investment goals, feel free to reach out and see how we can help you. Second topic from Stuff on the 13th of June, average asking price for properties on TradeMe down $100,000. TradeMe property listings show a decrease in average asking prices across New Zealand. In May, the national average asking price was $850,150, which is a 10.5% decline from $949,650 in May last year. This downward trend has continued for the past seven months. Even the West Coast, which had previously seen stable prices, experienced a slight drop of 0.1% to an average of $409,700 in May. While the market is still correcting, there are signs of stabilisation. The national average asking price decline in May, 10.5%, was less severe than in March and April at 10.9%. Wellington's average asking price decreased by 13.1%, which was $126,800, to $837,500, indicating a potential flattening of the market. Auckland, however, saw a 13.2% decline, $161,500, with an average asking price of $1.06 million. In Canterbury, the average asking price decreased by 4.6% to $688,000. Notably, Christchurch experienced an annual increase in asking prices for apartments, 10% to $701,300, and large houses with five or more bedrooms by 7.5% to $1.22 million. The city's post-earthquake rebuild has contributed to the higher prices for quality apartments. Supply and demand in Gisborne and Hawke's Bay have been impacted by Cyclone Gabriel, resulting in a 33% and 14% decrease in supply, respectively, and a decline in demand. Wellington supply, dropped by 23%, while Taranaki and Southland 
saw an increase of 23% in supply. The quotable value house price index indicates a slower decline in prices, with a 3.4% reduction nationally over the three months ending in May. QV operations manager James Wilson cautions that it's premature to determine the market bottom and more months of softening are needed. BNZ Chief Economist Mike Jones suggests that while the sharp decline in house prices may be nearing its end, this does not indicate an impending boom in the market. Overall, as interest rate rises subside and asking price declines moderate, buyers and sellers can anticipate greater certainty in the market as they transition out of the winter months. My thoughts on this are statistics are an interesting thing. While at the moment the average prices are showing a slowing decline, the medians are actually showing an increase in nationwide prices since February. This is quite normal when the property market moves into the next stage of the cycle. We often see one article saying that the sky is falling, while another one on the same day can show evidence that there's green shoots in the property market. At the end of the day, it's important to remember that you don't purchase the average or the median property. You purchase one property at a time. Focus on the facts for that specific property and ignore the noise. Does that specific property meet your requirements for a long-term investment or a home? Does it fit with your buying rules? Have you done your research and due diligence before you go unconditional? If it ticks all of your boxes, why wouldn't you buy it? Or are you not sure of what your boxes should be? There's a bigger question for you. And more food for thought. Purchasing an investment property purely for tax benefits and potential capital gain is hardly ever the best strategy. Do you know why? Tax benefits can change. And you've got absolutely no control over capital gain. If you make investment decisions based on the facts and on things that you have got control over, you're much less likely to regret that decision. If you'd like to learn more about investing in property, join me at one of our free events called How to Succeed with Property Investing in 2023. I'll discuss strategies for successful investing from my perspective as a financial advisor, and these are available live online or in person in our office in Auckland. Check out propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates and register today. We don't sell property, so it's all about increasing your knowledge to reduce your risk. If you'd like to find out more about how we can help you to reach your financial goals, you can either attend one of our free events, because I also talk about this towards the end of the training sessions, or you can book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband, Paul Roberts, via the website. That's propertyapprentice.co.nz. Third topic for this week in review from interest.co.nz on the 14th of June, the International Monetary Fund thinks New Zealand should reform its tax system, freeze minimum wage and spend less money. The International Monetary Fund, the IMF, has advised New Zealand to maintain tight fiscal policies and allocate additional spending towards cyclone recovery and social housing. The IMF, an organisation focused on promoting global economic growth and financial stability, visited New Zealand and released a statement urging the government to control its expenditure. The IMF emphasised the need to prioritise recovery efforts from the recent floods and cyclone while limiting discretionary spending to avoid inflationary pressures. The IMF also expressed concerns about housing affordability noting that the recent decrease in prices doesn't address the underlying structural housing shortage. They recommended expanding housing supply, particularly for social housing, 
through policy reforms that free up land, improve zoning regulations and enhance infrastructure. Despite the current downturn in house prices, affordability, as measured by mortgage interest payments relative to income, has actually worsened. Regarding the economic outlook, the IMF projected a gradual decline in inflation, expecting it to return to the target range of 1-3% to 3% by 2025 due to increased non-tradable inflation. With the reopening of borders, the IMF anticipated a significant rise in net migration, which should alleviate labour market tightness, but may have an uncertain impact on net demand. The IMF also highlighted the need to monitor the current account deficit, which narrowed to 8.5% of GDP in the first quarter of 2023. In terms of political policy issues, the IMF suggested tax reforms, such as implementing broader capital gains and land taxes to facilitate lower corporate and personal income tax rates. Lower them, not increase them, just say. They advised addressing fiscal drag by indexing tax brackets to inflation and improving overall tax system efficiency. The IMF discouraged further increases to the minimum wage unless that was aligned with productivity growth to prevent excessive wage inflation. And lastly, they supported retirement reform, cautioning that funding public pensions from current revenues would be challenging as the population ages. My thoughts on this subject are, it's interesting to me that a lot of the recommendations from the IMF are actually aligned with what some of the political parties in opposition at the moment have been saying for quite some time now. That's food for thought, isn't it? Also, with regards to the affordability of housing, absolutely. Although house prices have reduced considerably compared to the peak of the property cycle and most likely at or near the bottom of the market, interest rates are also likely to be at or at least near the peak of the interest rate cycle. This means that if you can afford the mortgage payments on a property purchase today, it's likely to get more affordable for you moving forward. Why? Because interest rates will eventually come back down. Your mortgage is going to reduce in size if you're paying principal and interest. And even if it's an interest-only mortgage on an investment property, the mortgage isn't going to get any bigger. Market rent will also continue to increase over time, which also helps improve affordability on that purchase. There are literally so many reasons that property investment still makes sense over the long term. For home buyers, it's the same story. Prices aren't likely to get much lower from here, if at all. So you could literally be buying at the bottom of the market and you can lock in a fixed interest rate to carry you through the next period until interest rates start to drop in order to protect your cash flow. Fourth topic for this week in review from Stuff on the 15th of June, up to 25% in mortgage prison as rates and falling prices lock them into an existing provider. These are friendly terms, isn't it? Mortgage prisoners. Rising interest rates and falling house prices in New Zealand are causing an increasing number of individuals to become what they're calling mortgage prisoners, who are unable to meet the lending criteria required to switch to a different bank. Mortgage brokers, which are called mortgage advisors now, estimate that up to a quarter of borrowers may find themselves in this situation, unable to benefit from competitive rates, cashback offers or lower rates offered by mainstream lenders. Rod Schubert, Managing Director of Rod Schubert Financial Advice, or RSFA, 
estimates that 10 to 20% of his clients are unable to refinance due to not meeting servicing requirements, trapping them in what he refers to as mortgage purgatory. This situation can result in borrowers paying low equity premiums for extended periods, known as low equity lockdown, as banks require proof of 20% equity before removing that margin. Schubert highlights that increasing property values through renovations, reducing debt or a recovery in property prices are the only ways to eliminate that low equity premium. Campbell Hasty, Director of Hasty Mortgages, suggests that approximately 25% of home loan borrowers might be stuck with their current lenders. While being locked in doesn't necessarily mean significantly higher rates, borrowers can miss out on attractive deals and cashback offers. Those with second-tier lenders, who typically have higher interest rates, can face further disadvantages if they'd intended to transition back to a normal bank mortgage. Glenn McLeod of Edge Mortgages mentions that some borrowers may miss out on the special rates or under-the-table offers, particularly if they have second-tier lenders. However, a recent product from Resimac has provided some relief, offering refinancing options from higher rates to a more manageable 7%. Despite the challenges faced by these mortgage prisoners, there is still the possibility of someone approaching another bank to explore potential deals that can be presented to the existing lender. New Zealand appears to have a higher number of mortgage prisoners compared to Australia due to stronger increases in test rates and the flooding of currency into the market during the COVID-19 pandemic. My thoughts on this are, this is literally why we recommend mortgage advisors rather than dealing directly with the bank yourself. If you aren't in a position to refinance to another lender at the moment, then your mortgage advisor could at least help you put a plan together to help you do this as soon as possible. If you haven't got a mortgage advisor already, we recommend MI Team for Mortgages and Insurance. We call it My Team, but it's MI for Mortgages and Insurance. You can get in touch with them via their website, which is miteam.co.nz or email office at miteam.co.nz or give them a call on 0800 We rate this business so highly that my husband Paul and I actually bought shares in it a few years ago. Fifth topic, last up for this week in review from One Roof on the 13th of June. Where first home buyers are picking up houses for less than $500,000. Christchurch has emerged as a favoured destination for first home buyers with properties selling at affordable prices compared to other major cities in New Zealand. Last week, the majority of houses sold at auction in Christchurch were priced at $500,000 or below, attracting eager first home buyers looking to enter the property market. Cameron Bailey, a salesperson at Harcourt's Gold, noted that properties in the $400,000 to $800,000 price range were in high demand, both during market declines and now as the market stabilises. Buyers are accepting the new normal of reduced prices, recognising that they've dropped from their peak a year ago. This presents a favourable buying opportunity, with properties that were valued at $700,000 a year ago now likely to be priced around $600,000. For example, a three-bedroom home in Wainoni with an RV of $480,000 is going up for auction with an estimated sale price of around $500,000. However, properties in the $400,000 range are scarce. At Harcourt's Grenadiers auctions, five out of eight properties sold for under $600,000. 
Richard Withy, sales and auction manager at Ray White Metro, mentioned that first-home buyers are feeling more confident as they perceive interest rates to have peaked and are actively participating in the market. The market in Christchurch appears to have stabilised and buyers and sellers are adopting a common-sense approach to move forward. Rachel Dovey, General Manager of Sales at Bailey's Canterbury, emphasised the affordability of Christchurch compared to cities like Auckland, Wellington and Tauranga. She highlighted the opportunity to purchase properties in the $500,000 price range, which is rare in other cities experiencing higher housing costs. Even a bungalow in central Christchurch with renovation potential can be found for $700,000 or $800,000, an uncommon price for a similar home in Auckland or Wellington. Dovey said that signs are pointing to a decline in the market, and it's nearing the bottom. This gives them a cause of optimism as they forecast a gradual price increase in the future. My thoughts on this are Christchurch can absolutely be a great place to buy an investment property, but it's not right for everyone. Regardless of where you live, if you're going to purchase an investment property, you need to make your buying decisions based on the numbers and your financial position, not based on emotions or what a news article says is a good place to buy at the moment. I mean, there's plenty of places across New Zealand at the moment that are great places to buy property, and I can say that without any conflict of interest, because at Property Apprentice, we don't sell property. So join me at a free training session called How to Succeed with Property Investing in 2023 and unlock the key strategies for successful investing. As a trusted financial advisor, I'll share valuable tips and insights during these live training sessions, which are held online or at our Auckland office in Ellerslie. Whether you're a seasoned investor or a first-home buyer, this session is designed to empower you with knowledge and reduce your investment risks. Our free events are live training sessions with ample opportunity to ask me questions and receive expert guidance without any hard sales pitch. We don't sell property, so this means we can focus solely on giving you accurate information and the best strategies for your success. Visit our website at propertyapprentice.co.nz to register for one of our free events, or you can book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband, Paul Roberts, via the website. Don't miss out on this opportunity to learn more about how to be successful with property investing. Take action today and pave the way for your financial future. If you're already a client of ours and you're unsure what you should do as to your next step, then perhaps it's time for you to speak to your coach again. I mean, we offer lifetime coaching support for a reason. Thanks for listening. We'll look forward to doing this again next week.